Hey everyone, you're listening to The Amble, the disciple-forging podcast of CityGate Ministries. Hey everyone, welcome to The Amble. I'm Amy and I'm here today with David, our assistant worship pastor. Hi, David. Hello. Thanks for having this conversation today. We're going to have a conversation on the power of encouragement Um, We feel like that's a timely conversation. But before we do that, um, Dave, you want to introduce yourself a little bit? A lot of people see you on the stage every Sunday, and they have for years, but may not have ever been able to have a conversation with you. So tell us, give us a couple things about yourself. Well, I like uh, long walks on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually really true. I really do like walking on the beach. Um, Well, yeah. No, I've just been, I, I volunteered for the longest time. I started out as just uh, a guitar player on stage. Um, and after that, um, things kind of developed and I became like the band leader. We changed that name from band leader to music director. And then uh, I jumped in um, to this position and I love every second of it. But you pour out your heart. You've been here doing things that nobody but God has seen for like, I don't know, the last 15, 25 years. How old are you? <laughs> Pretty I'm much 31, two, 31. How old are you? I'm right under you. I'm not you. telling. Okay. <laughs> I don't okay. I'm 31. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. All right. So we have a little game. This is what we're going to do. I found this on the internet, so I don't know how well it's going to go, but I'm just going to give you one word, and then you have to say whatever comes to your mind, but I feel like you'll be really good at this. Okay. Okay. Uh, Hold on. So you're going to say something, and then I'm just going (laughs) to... I'm going to give you a word, and then whatever comes to your mind, say it. Okay. Okay? All right. Okay. 2020. Um, COVID. (laughs) Okay. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Actually... Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, I've already said it, so that's... Okay. Love. Love. I just love love. (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. (laughs) Okay, I was thinking more like Aaliyah or... Well, yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, no. Okay, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Aaliyah. Love. Love. (laughs) So much love. All right. Um, Fatherhood. Riley. Oh, crap. Now it's going to sound bad with no. <laughs> Leah. <laughs> I love love. And I, okay. We're going to, that's okay. definitely I'm gonna leaving. Find a, I'm going to find a good word. Um, lightning. Lightning. Hmm. Storms. So let me be more specific. If you have a story come to your mind. Yes. I. Do you know the story? Oh, uh, no. You booby trapped me, aren't you? <laughs> don't know any story you don't know the trampoline story i don't think so you've never heard the trampoline story i don't story. think so my dad talks about it all the time i don't think i've ever heard it am i about to tell the story yeah okay so a long time ago it was a dark and stormy <laughs> night <laughs> no uh i had uh, i've always been afraid whenever i was younger of storms um i was when the movie twister came out like i was like I'm not about that. So it was <laughs> it was rainy and stormy one day at school. My dad had to come and pick me up. The teacher said I was crying, and um, <laughs> they uh, it's not that funny. It was very traumatic, and um, I end up having to go home. And 
my version of the story is my dad made me sit out on the front porch to try to prove a point like there's nothing to be afraid of. And then he ended up telling me to go jump on the trampoline. And then, like, I'm... Like, I'm afraid of the wind, the lightning, the thunder, and stuff like that. And then I have to go jump on the trampoline. And um, Is this true? I think it is. I believe it is. And <laughs> my dad has been trying to condition me for years to believe that I've made it up entirely. Like, for fun. Like, you guys want to hear the story about how my dad made me jump in a thunderstorm? And he, his version is definitely going to be, that never happened, D. But, um... Yeah, I know. Why? It's, what was the point of that? To make you not afraid? I guess. Face like, your fears? Yeah, like face your fears type of thing. In mm. my mind, it was, um, hey, man, it's storming outside. I might get struck by lightning or something, or the wind's going to whisk me away, and I'm going to end up in Oz or something. <laughs> so, when he was probably trying to teach you courage. Yes. That's probably how he would define it. I would agree with that, but I was also like eight. <laughs> so, <And> I wasn't. <laughs> my body wasn't ready for that type of courage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what comes to your mind when you hear the word courage? My dad, actually. Hmm. Yeah, ironically enough. How about that? That's uh, that's actually really... Yeah, yep. I would say my dad has actually, through his example, put himself in the position... Like, if I said I was afraid of doing something, he would often put himself in that position to show me that there was nothing to be afraid of. There was one time um, at Alta Church where we grew up, in up in North Florida, we were living in the parsonage. I always used to struggle with uh, the dark. And um, this is, I don't want to chase a rabbit, but, you know, like spiritually there's, um, the Lord's given me the ability to be able to experience the supernatural realm a lot. Well, whenever I was young, I didn't know what that meant. I just thought there was monsters under the bed. And there's plenty of times where I would see things in the dark and I was afraid. And uh, I would run to my parents' room. And I remember one time, I think my dad just kind of had enough of it. And at first, I thought, like, I was in trouble and because dad was not irritated. But at the same time, there's just some type of... Uh, just the way that he was talking, there was a lot of like authority, like he had had it type of thing. And I remember he knew that I was afraid of the dark. And it was, I can't remember, but it was probably in the middle of the night. And we got out of our house. We walked over to the church. It's like dark outside. And he has all the lights off and we go sit in the sanctuary. And he sits right next to me. And, and I remember him just talking. And I'm paraphrasing. I can't remember exactly what he said. But I remember that we went and sat down. And in my mind, I'm thinking, it's not going to work. It's only whenever I'm by myself or, you know, or I don't know what you're trying to do. And, like, we sit down. And then Dad starts talking out loud. If there's anything here that can get us, come and get us. If there's anything here that can get David, go ahead and try to get him. And we just sat there in silence. And um, he was showing me that you have authority and you don't have to be afraid. And that's just one of like a lot of stories. Dad would often put himself in the position that I would be afraid to get in to show me by example. That's the way that I learned. And it's interesting that you bring that up because um, I discovered Internet Dad. Have you heard of Internet Dad? Internet Dad? Okay, so it's this big thing. And I want to give him a shout out. Um, honestly, I don't even know what his name is. But he started this YouTube channel um, called Dad, How Do I? 
and he started it a few months ago for kids that did not have dads. And so what he does is he uploads videos of himself, like changing tires or how to tie a tie. Um, and oh, then that's really cool. It is. And then he started doing dad chats. And I listened to one of them yesterday. And the guy has 2.5 million subscribers. And like, if you read through the comments sections, it makes me cry every time. Like, hmm. their comments are like, you know, I I never had a dad to show me any of this stuff. Or, I wish I wish I had had a dad like you. In a few months, he has. 2.5 million subscribers it exploded anyways his dad chat was randomly about this word courage what he did with his kids he said is that he sat down one day and he wrote courage on the whiteboard and he asked them what does this word mean to you and they you know talked about what courage meant but then he put an en in front of the word courage and he said, encourage. It means to give courage. And then what he did is he erased that and he wrote dis in front of courage. Mm-hmm. And he said, discourage. It means to take away somebody's courage. And so they talked about that. They had this whole conversation on what it means to give somebody else and instill courage in somebody else, which is the essence of encouragement. And then um, to, to discourage and taking it away from somebody and how detrimental that is. So today we're going to cover both biblical encouragement and what discouragement does to people, how devastating the power of discouraging words can be. And so I just want to read 1 Thessalonians 5.11. It says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Biblically, encouragement means to, um, it's like this picture of coming close to somebody, coming close to somebody's side and offering like soothing, comforting, consoling words in the midst of somebody's failure or moment of pain or moment of hurt, but not just staying there, not just soothing, but urging them onward and forward to action. And so um, there's this quote by a guy named Warren Wearsby. He says that Paul, the Apostle Paul, didn't just make people feel better. He made them want to do better because a father must not just pamper his child. He must rather encourage the child to go right back and try again. And so I I think that is so cool. Like your dad, he would instill courage in you. He would encourage you by putting you and putting himself in positions where he can actually gain courage in the moment instead Mm -hmm. of being afraid. So talk about how encouragement has been vital to your life. Like why in the Bible does Paul tell us to encourage each other? Like how have you experienced the power of encouragement? Well, um, are you familiar with the... uh the five love languages. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to just say them? What are the? It's physical touch, words of affirmation. What else? Physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, uh, quality time, quality time, and gifts. Gifts. That's it. That's it. The one that I scored the highest on was words of affirmation. Like, I, and apparently, I guess it's rare to score like at the very, very tip top, and I was scored at the very, very tip top <laughs> of okay. words of affirmation. So Leah has to give you a lot of words of affirmation. Yeah, I, well, pers- I actually scored the, the highest ones. It was words of affirmation, which I don't know. I think it goes 1 through 12, right? And I think I scored a 12 in words <laughs> of affirmation, and the next one was gifts, and everything else was just like down by the wayside. Okay. So you're designed to need words of affirmation. It's vital to me. It's, it's vital to me. That's something that's really... So, like, for example, someone, an attaboy to me would 
completely affect the way that I was doing something. Mm -hmm. So if I was doing a job that I felt was hard or for harder for other people to do, and then my boss came and told me and said, "Hey, man, that's really you, that's wow, that's that's really good." And then he walked away. That would empower me to feel that I'm a not only doing the job well, but that I'm above average. Mm -hmm. And it would. It would, it, 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 I would, I would be filled with this like so much happiness. It would impact your it actions. Would all, it, it would give me endurance to do it all the time. I, that's the type of stuff that makes me want to come in early, stay late, um, research it on my own personal time. I'm going to do this craft that I was told by someone that knows all about it. That hey, for some whatever reason, you're really good at this. That makes me feel like I can this conquer. It the empowers world. you and yeah. spurs you on. Yeah. Affirmation is something that absolutely is just really, really important to me. Um, and then, um, you know, the gifts is nice too. But like, I think a lot of people confuse the gifts with uh, I just <laughs> like to get stuff. Who doesn't like getting stuff? But like I, uh, I really love giving um, things. So it's actually kind of cool with the words of affirmation kind of tag team in that I really love affirming people mm -hmm. as a gift. I like to, I like, that's, I feel like that's something that I'm called to do. So one of the things that I've heard mm -hmm. a lot of that God desires us to be happy, successful, mm -hmm. but Jesus promised us that he, he told his disciples in this world, you will face tribulation. Mm -hmm. You will face troubles, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And that take heart means to have courage in the moment of trouble. And so he was trying to strengthen them, like with the power of God, like God will come and he will give you the supernatural strength to face your difficult moments. Um, I used to work in construction and I used to like build docks and stuff like that back in the day. And there's times that, you know, I, I just didn't really know exactly what I was doing or I did something wrong and I got in trouble or this, that, and the other, and I've been able to, like, call friends or family and stuff like that to kind of encourage me to kind of, kind of, like, keep on keeping on, and it's, and it's, the thing is with encouragement is you got to also make sure that you don't flatter. Let's go, here's a hypothetical, okay? I'm on the job at this construction site, and I was told to do it a certain way, the, the, the boss man tells me to do it, and he just assumes I knew what he was talking about. I didn't. I tried to read between the lines, and I did it wrong. I failed. It wasn't right. I shouldn't have done it that way. And now I'm actually holding other people up, and I messed up. And he comes and tells me about it. You know, um, and then would it be wrong for him to, hey, man, look, it's okay um, like, don't, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll fix it. You know, um, like, no, I deserve to be told the truth, right? I deserve to be told the truth. So that way I can learn from it. But also, um, I need to, uh, like the way that I'm wired, I can also be discouraged by the way it's, it's told to me, you know, this, that's just me personally. So, I'm going to tell you that you did something wrong and it's the truth and you need to hear it or else you're not going to learn. You're going to do it again. You're going to hold other people up. You're mm -hmm. going to keep people away from the goal because you messed up. And 
what I would say going from the other lens of the boss would be, I'm going to encourage you to do a better job next time. Like you did it wrong. I'm going to show you. And this is this is this is the consequences. This is what's going to happen. And this is what will happen in the future if you do it again. But let me encourage you. Let me let me show you how to do it right. Let me show you how to do this correctly, and everything like that. Because if he were to just say, "Hey, man, like don't worry about it, this, that, and the other," like that could possibly make me feel less concerned about doing it any other way than I've already done it. Because see, flattery that's not going to help me. Flattery is not going to help me at all. And flattery, I think, sometimes can get people in trouble whenever they try to encourage somebody. Like, you know, if I if I have someone like I'm I'm in charge a lot of, of a lot of the music here at City Gate. And if 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 somebody sings something and it's and it's and it's say it's flat and I tell them, hey, it's OK, don't worry about it. And they sing it flat again. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't help them. Like sometimes you have to be, and that's that's something that I really don't like having to do. That's hard for me. It's hard for me to tell somebody they've done something wrong. I'm very empathetic to people, and I, I, I often, it kills me to think that I'm I'm about to hurt somebody. So, it's hard for me to have to do that. But it's so important to not flatter them and to say, hey, don't worry about it. Like I'm not doing my job as a minister by just telling them that it's okay to sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. I need to tell them, hey, look, you know, that wasn't good. You know, like we need to work on that. And that might hurt in the moment. However, that's when I ever have the opportunity to go back around and say, let me show you how to do it correctly. So encouragement doesn't mean to, it's definitely not flattery. And it, it doesn't mean steering away from difficult conversations. Correct. Conversations that need to be had. And Jesus was with us as the encourager. Like he said, I'm the Emmanuel, like I'll be with you. But the Holy Spirit was the one that he said it's going to come. And he said this about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the word for helper in the Bible is comes from the same word that we get encouragement from. So the Holy Spirit is like our prime example of the, the right kind of encourager. Mm-hmm. Jesus said... It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper or the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And so if he is our perfect encourager, then he doesn't flatter us. Mm-hmm. He absolutely tells us the truth. He convicts us of our sin. He convicts us where we're going wrong, but he consoles us and he soothes us. And then he pushes us forward to, um, you know, to be more pure. So biblical encouragement does not just mean having nice words for somebody. Yeah. It means seeing the, the situation for what it is, but, but not devastating somebody with your words like it's not criticism Mm -hmm. okay so biblically encouragement um, is important because number one it provides hope the world is full of sorrow and pain and problems Um, like yesterday Carmine and I were at a funeral and um, there was a girl there who was really really struggling with senseless and needless suffering and pain she just couldn't figure out if there was a God why does he allow pain And so, um, you know, we had to encourage her to see, like, this family believes that there's hope Mm -hmm. after death and um, that 
Jesus said that he would be with us in our suffering. He didn't promise us a life without suffering. He just said he'd be with us and that the Holy Spirit, who is our constant encourager, is inside of us as we face these these trials and tribulations. And so if I'm dealing with grief or if I'm dealing with depression, um, encouragement is like vital to my life. Um, and the second reason is because growing as a Christian is impossible without encouragement. That's why he would send Paul would send Timothy. He he would send Timothy to go strengthen the churches, and he he would set them up, and he'd send Timothy to go encourage and establish them. Um, he would send this guy named Tychicus. He sent him to a, a couple different churches, and he says, you know, go and um, so that you might encourage their hearts. And so it just shows how important it is for new believers. Barnabas, we have his example. Um, Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas is the guy that decided to go and grab Saul and, and when nobody else believed in him because Saul was the guy that was persecuting everybody and all of a sudden like he has this immediate life change and Barnabas which means son of encouragement mm-hmm. is the guy that takes Paul under his wing takes him on a, his first missionary journey to go and um, generously distribute funds to other pastors when there's a famine and so Barnabas like was he played a huge role in Paul's life the power of a person who will establish themselves as an encourager in the lives of other believers is really important in the eyes of God, I believe. But then we have this flip side where it seems that it's we forget that we have a command to obey Christ by encouraging one another in the body, and we get critical. It's easy to become critical and discouraging with our words, and I've seen how discouragement snuffs life out of people. Mm-hmm. It just demotivates them. And so where encouragement helps them to have courage to face tomorrow, discouragement makes them want to stay in their bed all day. Like I've yeah. just seen how devastating it is. And, and it's honestly, it's sin. It's sin to discourage somebody and to take that courage out of them. And so, you know, how has discouragement, how have you seen that play out in people's lives or in your own life? Yeah, well, I mean, I can think of a story right off the bat. I remember um, one time we were, um, and this is a a time in my life where I feel like spiritually, like I was at a high point. I was, um, I felt like totally empowered. I'm going to, let's go invade hell with a water pistol. Like I'm ready to go. And I remember we were backstage getting ready to go up and sing. And then I look over and uh, one of the vocalists, I were, we're waiting to go on. She like bends over and starts wailing. This starts crying. And I'm like, what is going on? Cause she was loud. And I was like, wow. <laughs> like it was, and it, like, I, 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 I didn't know what was going on. And, um, she was, she was in mourning. She had just found out that her, um, that, I believe it was her mother-in-law just passed away. I remember thinking just like, wow. And we go over there and, you know, at the time, I wasn't really, I, I was just like a band leader. I wasn't really in a very big leadership role. My mom uh, goes over and they're trying to talk to her. Donovan was there and they're trying to console and trying to figure out what's going on, tell me the story. And as they're talking, I wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but like the whole team's kind of like together. And some people are just kind of looking like they don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, I started feeling like this, this, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me, um, pray, pray over her bones and she's going to come back to life. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not going to pray that. And in my mind, I'm thinking if I'm wrong, that's a big deal. 
like she is in a, in a, in a place of, of ultimate pain. And then if I come in with hope and it turns out it was just me with good intentions and not the Holy spirit, that's going to make it not only worse for her, but it's going to make me look like a looney tune. <laughs> like no one's ever going to trust me. Anyway, I, I kind of pulled my mom to the side real fast and I told her the whole spiel. I really feel, I feel, you know, this way. And she's like, well, do you, are you sure? I was like, I, I am sure, but I do not want to, to say this. Can you, can you, <laughs> can, can you, you deliver it? this message? <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, no, you're going to do it. Like, like if you feel like the Holy Spirit do it, like, like told you to do it, then I, I then I want you to do it. So in my mind, I'm like, do, like having this conversation with the Lord that seemed like it took five minutes to do this. And it was probably like literally like two seconds, like this, this earnest Lord, please put the words in my mouth, you know, like, you know, please make this, you know, like if this is really you, like let it flow. If it's, if it's not, just let me be mute right now. Like, so anyway, I start praying and, um, people start speaking in tongues and we're, and, and it's just like, I remember afterwards, my mom said, I've never heard you pray like with such authority before. And I remember in my mind, I'm thinking it's done. Like this happened, like the Lord, I'm, ex I'm anticipating a miracle. Like, and, um, we, um, we, we get ready to go out on stage. And as we're walking up on stage, Ron, our bass player, he said that his hand hurt. Like he had struggling with arthritis and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm charged. I'm ready to go. I said, give me your hand. And I remember taking his hand and we started praying for his hand. And he said, he's like, my hand feels warm. And his hand got really warm and he was able to bend it again. And he was able to go out there and play. And he, he, he was like in tears. And I was just like, wow, like the Lord's, he's just, he's just opened up this, this floodgate in me that I didn't know was available in this, that, and the other. But lo and behold, I didn't realize I found out after the fact that she did not come back to life. And I, I remember being so embarrassed that I didn't want to come back to church. I was humiliated. Mm -hmm. I was like, I cannot face her because I was wrong. And I remember, I remember being so discouraged to the point to where like, I, I can't bear the thought of being in front of anyone that witnessed any of that ever again. I can't fathom. They're going to think that I'm crazy. And then it started, I started doubting, did I even hear from the Lord at all? Mm -hmm. Do I even know what his voice actually sounds like? Who? And I started, I started grasping from straws in every direction. Like, I don't even know. I, my, it, it, it brought me down to like, I don't even know who I am in Christ anymore. I'm questioning everything and I was so discouraged and I remember going to my mom and I was just like, what, why would you let me do that? <laughs> this is on you. I told you to do it. And, um, and she's, and I remember, I remember her just trying to encourage me. And at first I'm like, immediately, I don't even want to hear it. Like, wh what are you going to say? What are you going to say? Uh, like to like make that better. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm not even willing to listen to encouragement at this point. I'm so discouraged. I remember her telling me, like, you don't know what happened. She's like, you don't know if in that moment the Lord kept her alive long enough to show himself to her. You don't know. You weren't there. Mm -hmm. And, like, you, you weren't, like, if the Lord tells you to do something, you're not responsible for enjoying the fruit. You know, dad, dad has preached it before. Like, who's ever heard of a tree that eats its own fruit? Mm -hmm. Like, I was, like, 
she's like, what's it to you? You don't know if the Lord was able to, to reveal himself to her and she was able to know the Lord and go and be with the Lord. And besides that, right after that, you went up there, you're questioning the Lord right now. And then that very guy that you're questioning, you used his authority to, to pray over Ron's hand and the arthritis went away and he was able, and like in the paint, like he was able to go on stage and, and play when his hand hurt. Like, so either it's all real or it's all fake. You can't just do it based on how you feel in the moment. And that was, I remember that being a roller. I had like spiritual whiplash. I'm at the top of my game. I feel like I want to like go die in a hole and like, <laughs> and like never reveal myself to the world again, all the way back to a place where I'm uplifted. But now I'm uplifted and yet humbled mm-hmm. and realizing that it's, it's really not up to me. It's, it's, it's the Lord's will. That's whenever you have to encourage truth. And that's, that's the most important thing in my opinion is I have a relationship with my mom and I know that she loves me and I know that she cares deeply about me, but I also know ultimately she believes every word that comes out of the word of God, everything that's come out of God's mouth, she believes is absolute and true. Mm -hmm. So I know that whenever she encouraged me, that it was coming from a place of, I know how you feel because I have a relationship with you, but this is what the word says. Mm-hmm. So be encouraged mm-hmm. that in spite of how you feel, this is God's promise to mm-hmm. us. And that was that that changed me because it that showed me that whenever I go and encourage people that I can't treat a symptom, mm-hmm. you know, a, like I can't. Like if my leg's broken, I don't want the doctor to just rub some cream on it, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. this will kind of numb it up a little bit. I needed him to go in there and reset the bone mm-hmm. or else I'm not going to heal. And I think that's important for us as believers is that don't treat a symptom whenever you encourage. Don't don't. And like we, we talked about it before. Do not um, fluff it up. Don't flatter. Mm-hmm. That's that's treating symptoms. You need to fix the problem. If you have to reset the bone, it's worth the pain to grow correctly in Christ. So that way, whenever you, you, you're encouraging them by telling them what God says is, mm-hmm. is, is true. Yeah, which leads me to another um, point is where can we go? as believers to find encouragement. And I would say, number one, we can go to prayer. We can Mm -hmm. go to prayer because the Bible tells us in Psalms uh, that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those crushed in spirit. And so when you're struggling, you may be depressed. Mm -hmm. You might be at your lowest Mm -hmm. low moment of failure. You can go to God in prayer and he promises that he's going to be close to you Mm -hmm. in your time of need and brokenness. Um, He has a heart of compassion. And then secondly is the word of God because his words are true, Mm -hmm. just like you said. And so if I need encouragement, I'm going to be able to go to the word and by the the power of the Holy Spirit ministering the truth of God's word to me, I am going to not only know the truth, but he's going to move me into a new place. I'm not going to stay in this depressed state um, if I read the word and then apply it to my life. Um, and then thirdly, believers. We should be able to turn to believers for encouragement um, to help bring that word of God to life, which yeah. is what your mom did. Like you were able to go to your mom. What if you didn't have your mom? That's great. That's that's actually really funny that you said that because as you were talking, literally I'm sitting there thinking about how important um, relationship and accountability is. 
I would say to to people, um, put yourself in accountability with people. Put yourself in relationship with people to where someone that you really trust, someone that you can really confide in and allow them to keep you accountable to what God says. So that way you have guardrails and you're able to receive, um, you know, the truth, even whenever it's not fun truth and it's something that needs to be corrected to you and let that encourage you to do what's correct. My, my wife went on a missions trip, uh, several years ago and, uh, my my uh, my wife is a very like kind of cut and dry black and white when it comes to like just give me the fa- I'm a detail dude mm-hmm. she's just give me the facts mm-hmm. and stuff like that and she 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 often had said you know I just don't like sugarcoating stuff and it's like she'll she'll say that a lot I just I just want to and I remember she had told me and I remember being so excited when she told me and she went down there and a pastor uh, that they had met up with and did all their stuff the, the mission trip was over they were leaving. And she had she had dropped that little bar as they're like waiting to leave or whatever. Like, you know, like I just don't like sugarcoating stuff and I'm I'm real and I'm this and then the guy said, uh, well maybe you should. And she's like, What? I thought I I thought I liked you. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? And he's like, Well, maybe you should. And maybe you should like, you know, how Timothy says, be gentle with the word. If you if I tell you truth and I present it to you in a way that you can't receive it, I've done nothing. You know, like for example, I could you could buy something. I told my dad this analogy. Um, if I give you a uh, like a brand new present, it's brand new, something you've always wanted, but I take it out of its original packaging and I wrap it up in crappy wet cardboard and painter's tape and give it to you, you're gonna be like, "What's this?" Mm-hmm. The way that you present something. Um, if I'm trying to share the gospel with somebody. Are, are, are they going to receive it better from saying it from whether it's from the pulpit or a personal conversation with someone wrapped in love and like, hey, I see where you are and here's the answer versus the dude with the bullhorn saying you're all going to hell and you're going to burn. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's a crappy package. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like this. I think it's you can say truth, but you it needs to be wrapped in a package that this person's going to be able to receive it. And. That's why I think that it's important to kind of like ask the Holy Spirit to give you discernment about people's personalities, the way that they receive things. That's something that I always look for whenever I'm on stage leading a team in band practice, which, by the way, is my favorite. I I I love band practice probably more than leading worship on Sunday morning because I get an opportunity to see people grow. And so if if we're all on stage, we play the song and then everybody stops and then I, in my mind, I'm thinking that sucked. <laughs> like that was terrible. And like, how am I going to, like, I can't just turn around and just say, guys, that was bad. Like, I'm not going to, cause I might have different people on stage that would prefer the cut and dry. Tell me I did it wrong. Tell me how to fix it. And I'm yeah, good with it. That's me. And then just you got, tell me. yeah. And, but then, <laughs> on, then on, yeah, <laughs> don't just tell me, but also don't on put the reverb on my voice to make me sound better. <laughs> so what happens whenever you're playing piano and you're on stage and we, we all played it and it wasn't any one person. It was just like at one point, everyone made it terrible. And um, say you're playing piano and then there's somebody else over here uh, on the other side of the stage playing a different instrument that if I were to tell them that, that would totally wreck them. So how do I say the same thing the same truth to two different people, 
even more so an entire band that's every gray spot in between the same truth without encouraging, like discouraging them. Sometimes you, and that's hard. I don't really even have the answer to tell you. Like I, I literally had to lean on the Holy Spirit to God, how can you use something that is not the best situation to uplift, not only tell the truth, but uplift everyone. And that's the thing is sometimes it's going to be on preference. Like for me to say that in the same way to everyone might not be your preference. Like you would prefer me to say, Amy, that was really bad. I need you to fix this. You were flat. Can you fix that? And you would say, yeah, Mm -hmm. but to tell somebody else that would devastate them. So I, I'm going to lean on probably saying it somewhere in the middle to where it. The way that this other person needs to be sugarcoated, as we would say, and stuff like that, I don't think that's a I don't think that's a bad thing. I think saying it in a way that is not a crappy package for them, you know. Now I can say it in a way to where it's not coddling, that it actually stretches them to grow right. to where they 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 don't stay right. in that spot of discouragement to where it's stretching them, but also it's not your preference. To, to hear it as like it's it's to me it sounds like I'm maybe slightly meandering around a little bit of so you say it in a way so that way everyone like it it dad does such a great job of speaking and preaching to people that have been saved their entire life and someone that heard Jesus' name on the way in the door right. and he's able to preach a word to where everyone walks away satisfied mm-hmm. I don't know how he does that and um, that's something that I try to keep in mind whenever I'm leading my team is that I'm going to Lord Holy Spirit speak through me so that way I can I can grow not just I don't want to avoid pain the only way, though, for you to do that, this is what it all boils down to, is that you are willing to be a vessel of encouragement mm-hmm. because, and you're willing to be very patient and, and figure out personalities. That's a huge thing is, is patience. patience. Yeah. Because you have a heart. You've revealed, I think through this podcast, really you've shown people that you have a heart for people. You love people mm-hmm. in your heart. You are a pastor. It's not your title. It's who you are. And so somebody that has a genuine love for people are always looking out for their best interest and desire truly to be a vessel of encouragement Mm -hmm. to help that person to grow. I mean, that's encouragement embodied. And so you reap what you sow. The reason that the team and the growth is coming is because not just like, not just because you have encouraging words or encouraging moments with people. It's because you are an encourager. You embody that. You've embodied that in my life. So, uh, would you say that in my past I've been a little bit more critical than <laughs> encouraging? I <laughs> <laughs> Go yeah. ahead. It's okay. Okay. You yeah. can say it. There's and, and I think that that's just a personality thing. I think that um I think that yeah, there's there's been times where I just didn't quite you ha- like have you wired yet in my mind. Like I did my, in my mind I'm thinking like what is she does she not like me like maybe <laughs> your mom i think used to say that i would have a scowl on my face yeah all the time i remember that <laughs> yeah so and that's and that's and that's something that um but i didn't mean it yeah i didn't mean it and so she was always so patient with me mm-hmm. she didn't write me off yeah she didn't say i don't want to work with her she's always got a frown on her face i i didn't know i was frowning i was just thinking and that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize, even with um, like their perception of other people. Sometimes, sometimes people just 
you know, the the was the the old the judge a book by its cover type of scenario right. and stuff like that. They have their opinion based off an impression, not based on who that person is. And that's why relationships are so important. That right. And so this is why you have been used by God in my life. And I don't know if God would have sent somebody else along or like what would have happened if I was disconnected to you and other believers. Mm-hmm. But I don't, and I don't even remember what happened, but there was some kind of situation where you decided you were going to start calling me Barnabelle. I distinctly remember you telling me, I'm going to rename you and I'm going to call you Barnabelle. I remember that. Making a feminine version of Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Well, just so you know, that took probably a good hot 45 minutes to find the female equivalent of Barnabas. <laughs> I almost called you Barnaby, and that sounded <laughs> dumb. I'm glad you landed on Barnabelle. <laughs> But I would say it's been several years, and my heart for people has grown. I'm very more, I'm much more careful about the way that I say things. I wouldn't say I hit it out of the park every single time, but I'm, uh, I understand more mm-hmm. about the whole packaging thing than I used to because I'm like Aaliyah, very black and white. And so you can tell me hard truths, but I've learned that because I have a heart for other people and because I love and care about them and their growth that me saying something cut and dry would actually do the opposite of what I want it to do. Yeah. And my purpose would be to strengthen and, and help them to grow. But if I say it in a way that they can't receive it, it might cause devastation. And so we never want to be critical with mm-hmm. our words, but your influence and impact in me being around somebody that is an encourager by nature has made a huge impact on my life. And so we just want you listening to know that you can, you know, look around who are the people in your world right now? Who are the people in your family, your husband, your wife, your children? Those are sometimes the hardest people for us to encourage. It's easier for us to look outside of the walls of our own home to find other people to be encouraging towards. But um, what happens inside of our home reflects who we really are as people. Mm -hmm. Are we in our hearts? Are we encouragers? Or are we in our hearts people that cut, criticize, and tear others down? That's very foolish. Mm -hmm. I've learned as a wife, criticizing my husband is a very foolish thing for me to do. And if I want a strong and a confident and a capable husband, that means that I need to work on empowering, encouraging, building him up with my words, my attitude, my actions. And so if you're listening, we just encourage you, you know, body of Christ at CityGate, we want to be people who are encouragers for um, everyone around us. So, you know, look around. Who are you around this week? Who is it that you can encourage? Do you need to confess, you know, to the Lord for um, having a tendency to criticize, having a tendency to bring discouragement and devastation to other people? Um, You know, seek forgiveness for that and then make a decision to move in obedience towards Christ. Start small. Pick one person. Do one little thing this week that will help encourage them. And hopefully it will, you know, you'll begin to see a difference in your own life and in your home and in the workplace around you. And David, do you have anything, you know, last thoughts that you want to? Yeah. If you're struggling with encouraging people and you, and you want to know how to, like, if you were the prey, I think things to start with is Lord, teach me to be patient. Lord, teach me, um, to be empathetic. Mm -hmm. Um, Lord, uh, teach me to desire your truth. And give me a hunger for your truth. And also surround me with accountability. Um, and enable me to be able to have relationships that are very fruitful. I think those would be good starting points. Because if you combine all those together, I would say um, it's a good environment for encouragement to, to be very fruitful and grow. Hmm. 
Will you pray then for us? Sure. Yeah. We'll just have a moment of prayer with all of you listening. And mm-hmm. All right, go ahead. Um, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you are our ultimate example of encouragement. Lord, you've, uh, you from day one, Lord, set forth a plan for salvation. That is so encouraging that even in the beginning, whenever you saw all the sin and you saw everything that was going to go bad, you, you, you set forth your salvation in advance. You had a plan for the cross that is so encouraging, Lord, and we just thank you for that. We thank you for everything that you've done and that you're going to do, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would disempower us to be focused and uh, thirst for your word and for your truth. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would be able just to um, to speak peace to, uh, to troubled hearts, Lord. Um, and I just thank you in advance um, for, for everything that you're going to do and all the fruit that's going to come forth. And I pray, Lord, that it would be a testimony um, in people's lives. And we thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Welcome. It was fun. It was. Let's do it again. Okay. Okay. I'm all about it. All right. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Amble. Community is important to us, so don't forget to subscribe and leave us a message letting us know how this episode impacted you. If CityGate is not your home church, you can find out more about us at citygateswf.org. See you next time.